Welcome everyone to episode 23 of the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success. I am your host, Maverick Levy, and I'm so excited for you all to hear today's interview and today's episode because it is so interesting. It's so unique. It's something that applies to my life. I'm sure it is going to apply to a majority of your lives. But before we get into it, I want to give you all the typical information that I do at the beginning of an episode, but I'll keep it short today. Please be sure to check out the website, tbotbpod.com. Check out the social media pages, tbotbpod. The website, obviously, is a place where you can interact with the guests on a different level. You can put a face with the voice that you're hearing. You can find out ways to contact the guest. It's very essential, very useful for all of you. The social media pages is also another place where you can put a face with the voice. You can see a little bit more about the show. We post memes. We do all that kind of stuff. But next, let's go into the disclaimer. Please remember, everyone, that the discussions on this podcast are for informational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. Now, it's time for a really great interview with a super cool, a super intriguing guest. So on today's show... I have Dave Crenshaw, who is a speaker, author, coach. I mean, this guy, he really does it all. And he is an expert in the topic that we will be talking about. And that topic is multitasking. Like I said, we'll be jumping around a few different places, but we're really going to focus on the topic of multitasking. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dave on the show. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. How you doing? Hey, good Maverick. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a great interview. There's definitely going to be a lot of useful information for all the guests. But the way I really like to start all my interviews, it's pretty much the same. And it's just asking some general background questions about the guests so that the listeners can get to know you a little bit. So, Dave, where'd you grow up? I grew up pretty much here. I mean, I was born in Southern California, but I'm in Salt Lake City. So I grew up in Utah, a little place called Orm, which is next to Provo, if you've heard of that uh, college town. So, yeah, that's kind of where I got my start. And by the way, that it was interesting because, uh, you know, Stephen Covey was kind of in my backyard, so to speak. And so uh, he was someone that I got a lot of inspiration from early on. Got it. That's awesome. Did you go to college or did you not go to college? I did. I went to Brigham Young. Okay, got it. And I want to start asking this question to all my guests. So for all my listeners, you're going to say this isn't a typical background question, but it's one that I'm going to start asking. And it's, Dave, how you doing? I know this past year, it's had very different impacts on people. So I just want to ask how you doing, you know, make sure that people are checking in on each other. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, the last year has um, not been uh, too hard on me. And, and from a business perspective, you know, I know everyone had a different experience with it. Uh, from a business perspective, it was actually pretty good for my business. Um, and part of the reason is I'm a, an instructor on LinkedIn Learning. And I already had a course there called Time Management Working From Home. So Wow, you were ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah, that we had released that, uh, you know, back in 2018, 2017. So when this happened, it just, it exploded. It was actually the number one course for LinkedIn Learning in 2020. Wow, that's awesome. I'm not sure. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Obviously, I did my due diligence on you. And I know that working from home is one of your specialties as well. So like I said before, we'll jump around to a little bit. But before we start, I just want to say that the reason that this episode I think is so important is because this podcast focuses on 
what's not taught in school but is essential in life. And I think whether it's multitasking, whether it's working from home, while this is a new idea to some, while you know it's been common to others, it's something that you're definitely, I'm a senior in college and I haven't learned about why multitasking isn't actually productive in reality and how to focus at home. I haven't learned any of these things and it is absolutely essential in today's world. It couldn't be more essential in my opinion and it's something that needs to be taken into consideration and needs to be taught. So that's why I have Dave on the show and we're going to get into it right now. So obviously I introduced you, but I want the listeners to really get a feel for who you are and what you do and why you do it. So can you break down for the listeners, you know, what your specialty is and what you do? I know you just said you're a LinkedIn coach, but I know you also can be hired to speak at businesses. So will you just give the listeners a little breakdown about yourself? Yeah. So uh, my career path is really interesting. I began, I was actually 23 when I started business coaching, coaching entrepreneurs. And uh, I, I was certified through a program, uh, you know, back before I had graduated from college. And I was young enough and arrogant enough to think that I had something to offer to entrepreneurs, um, which, you know, I think kind of dovetails with, with the premise of your, your show. Uh, you know, doing things, teaching things that no one taught in college. And and the reason why I was interested in that, you know, you've heard of serial entrepreneurs, right? Of course. People who successfully create lots of business. Well, I grew up around serial killer entrepreneurs. So these were people who consistently, you know, kept starting businesses and they kept failing. Wow. <laughs> I like that serial killer entrepreneurs. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So watching that growing up, I kind of had this morbid fascination with with entrepreneurship and starting a business. And so when I first kind of got a glimpse of how to do it successfully, I gravitated toward that and I started coaching business owners. Now, uh, part of my backstory is also that I was diagnosed as being off the charts ADHD. In fact, the term that the psychologist, the clinical psychologist gave me was freaking off the charts ADHD. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so as part of that, you know, I drifted early on in my career. I mean, I, I, I was a sales rep. I taught high school. I mentioned to you earlier, I, I started a band. I tried to be a rock star for a few years while my, my wife supported so me. I was a line when I said you really tried to do it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and honestly, part of what I've learned is to not do that uh, over time, to really focus on one thing. And that was actually kind of a turning point for me is when my wife told me that she was pregnant. And I thought, my gosh, I saw what my dad did with his career. I feel responsible for this life coming in this world. I've got to break this cycle. And that's when I learned about my diagnosis. And that's where I started to work on the issue of time management. And that's really where my career started to take off. It was because I had to help myself get organized. And I took all the different time management programs that are out there. And there's wonderful stuff, but it's all built by uh, men and women who are basically perfect. (laughs) 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 Don't struggle with time management. And they're trying to help me, a guy with ADHD, a guy who's entrepreneurial, do it. And it just doesn't work. So I stripped it all down and kind of created my own version that was simplified. And then I started teaching it to my clients. And then that's where the first book, The Myth of Multitasking, took off and my speaking career, and then led to my courses on LinkedIn Learning. That is awesome. So what really triggered you to get into this space and to learn all these things? And hopefully, I'm sure your goal was to educate others about this, was that you realized that you needed to fix things about yourself. Is that sort of what I got out of that? Is that accurate? Yeah, I always had a desire. I, I still have a desire. In fact, I have a thing hanging on my wall uh, that says change one person's life today. That's my goal with my career. And it's always been there. But 
where I really found my home was in productive leadership and helping leaders do things in the most productive way and helping people be as productive as they possibly can be, despite their tendencies and despite the world that we live in that is just so filled with interruption and distraction. You know, I love that you talked about leadership because one of, I guess, a famous line or a motto of the show is always lead by example. And when I say always lead by example, I give different examples of what that means to always be leading. And a big part of that is obviously being productive, being efficient, making sure you're getting the job done, not wasting any time. And it's honestly something that I need to focus on. And, uh, you know, I love your perspective and your ideas of multitasking because I find it fascinating because as someone, like I said, I'm 22 years old. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm in school. I'm actually planning to go to law school. I just took my LSAT. So multitasking is something that I do on a daily basis that I know I need to not do. So hopefully you'll be able to change my life today and you'll be able to stay true to that quote on your wall. So let's get into this topic, this conversation about multitasking. So just so everyone's on the same page, because like I said before, I do my due diligence on my guests. So I know your perspective already a little bit, but I want the listeners to understand that. So Dave, what is your stance on multitasking? Yeah, my stance is that it simply does not exist. It's not a matter of whether or not someone's good or bad at it. It's just the word itself is a problem because what it is conveying is that we are capable of doing this when in fact our brains are not. What is really happening is one of two things, and I explain this in depth in my book, but you are either switch tasking or you are back tasking. And switch tasking is when you're trying to do multiple attention requiring tasks at the same time. Like you're trying to listen to this podcast while you're answering an email. You're not doing both. What you're doing is you're switching rapidly back and forth. And when you do that, you pay lots and lots of switching cost. And then backtasking is where something mindless or automatic occurs in the background, which would be, for instance, listening to this podcast while you're running on a treadmill. That can be productive. But the problem is people aren't making that distinction because they're using this one word multitasking, which is inaccurate. So instead, I'm inviting people to consider, am I switch tasking? Or am I backtasking? And the problem is most of the time people are switch tasking. Yeah, 100%. I could tell you that I've done probably three to four things just today where I, I would classify it as switch tasking. But I am actually a person that while I'm in the gym, I do listen to podcasts sometimes. It just depends on the day and my mood. So you're saying though that it is possible uh, backtasking, using your terminology, is possible. We just have to recognize that there's a difference between switch tasking and backtasking. Right. Got it. Yeah, and that becomes the question because people will come to me and they'll say, Dave, is it good if I do this or bad if I do this? This is not a question of morals. This is not good or bad. This is simply math. If you are trying to do multiple attention requiring tasks, you're switch tasking, it's not productive. If you can put something in the background while it's working, like delegating something to someone else or having your printer print while you're answering email or listening to a podcast while you're, you're exercising, that can be productive. So that's the question you want to ask yourself. What's really happening here? Am I trying to do multiple things at the same time or something happening in the background? Got it. And, you know, I have so many people and I was thinking of whether I'm going to try and call them out or am I not going to call them out, but I will. But uh, my dad, who is my, one of my best friends, he's my mentor. He's everything. I'll never knock anything he's grown or built 
but he is a horrible advocate of multitasking he thinks it's so productive he thinks that he can do it so dad when you do listen to this podcast know that i am pointing fingers towards you and that the whole world's going to be able to hear this now but you need to you know i i see it firsthand and again it's something i do as well so i guess making that distinction of whether you're back tasking or you actually are switch tasking is very important i never thought about it or looked at anything like that and multitasking you know i'm a person that has OCD like crazy. It's probably very unhealthy. I've never gone to the doctor for it, but if you ask any close person um, in my life, they'll tell you that, yes, Maverick has crazy OCD and it's probably why I run late for things, et cetera, et cetera. But the reason I'm bringing up my OCD is because I feel like sometimes it causes me or triggers me to, I guess we'll use your terminology now, is switch task. It's causing me to switch tasks from different things. And, you know, I wonder if there's other people out there, or if you've had any experience out there where it's something else that's triggering the need or the want to actually, you know, multitask or switch tasks. So I wonder if it's triggered by something else. Have you ever seen anything like that? Or has that ever been brought to your attention? Yeah, I mean, I'm very sensitive and very aware of mental health issues because these are things that I've dealt with, my family has dealt with. And here's the interesting thing about it. When you're talking about something like OCD or even ADHD, there is a percent of the population that deals with this. I mean, we're talking, you know, if we combine both of them together, we're talking maybe in the neighborhood of 10% total. And the interesting thing is our world has become a place where we behave as if we have these conditions anyway. The the pace of life, the way in which information is targeting us, we're we're doing the switch tasking. We're acting like we have ADHD or OCD, whether or not we have that genetic predisposition to the issue. In fact, Seth Godin was kind enough to endorse my book. And in the endorsement, he said, we live in an ADHD world. This is what I see all the time. So I see my job as helping people modify their behavior, you know, not in a clinical sense, but behavioral therapy to get people to behave in the most productive and and the least stressful way. Got it. So let's break it down here simply. So you're saying that if I'm multitasking, right, let's I'm trying to think of a solid example, but let's say I am doing schoolwork while I am trying to write Uh, Actually, let's say I'm listening to a documentary or watching a documentary that I need to for a class while I'm trying to write questions for the Dave Crenshaw interview. You're saying that is, number one, it's horrible to do because you're not going to be able to focus, but I'm going to be wasting time. I'm going to be actually spending more time instead of just doing one thing at a time. Is that right? Far much more time. There are three immediate effects. There's a fourth one we can talk about later, but there are three immediate costs to switching. First, the amount of time it takes to complete things increases. This can usually be in the neighborhood of like 20% increase to a 100% or more increase in the amount of time it takes to complete things. Number two, the quality of the work that you do decreases. So the quality of the questions that you would write using the example you gave me, Maverick, would decrease. You would not be as prepared. And also the quality of the experience of absorbing that knowledge from the documentary would also decrease. Wow. Uh, in fact, there was a study out of, wait, you're, are you in Michigan State? Yeah. Is that what you told yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's a study uh, by, and I'm gonna mess up their names, but Henyon, McGlashan, and Altman at Michigan State, and they found that 2.8 seconds of workplace interruption time doubles the likelihood of a mistake. 
Wow. You think about the cost to that on a personal level, business level. So that's the second cost. And then the third one, your stress increases. You just feel worse whenever you try to switch tasks. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Like I said, I'm gonna, I'm not going to be the person that says, oh, I don't multitask or try to at least, but I do it and I absolutely spend more time trying to do things. Like if I'm in the gym, I'll try and write emails or read emails and respond while trying to, to work out. And then, you know, I get yelled at by my family because they're like, what are you doing in the gym for so long? You, you know, you're just sitting there, you're barely working out. I'm like, well, I'm trying to do two things at once, which after talking to Dave, I'll be like, yeah, I'll remember Dave told me not to do that. And I hope all the listeners are listening as well, because I know there are tons of college students, maybe even high school students. My little brother is in high school, so I can definitely, you know, see that firsthand that do try and do two things at once. And, you know, you're you're hearing it right now that Dave is saying that it is not productive and you're going to spend more time. So if you're trying to get things done faster, just remember this conversation that you're actually going to end up spending more time doing those two things. But Dave, I want to ask you a question about, we'll call it switch tasking, because this is one that has been, for my whole life, I've never understood it. People are able to read a book while they are listening to music or podcasts with questions. And I could never wrap my head around this idea of people being able to comprehend words on a page that your brain has to evaluate and understand while you're listening to something. Do you have any experience with that or anything to say about that? Or is that even productive? Yeah. the So there are really two different possible examples here. And I think we need to pull them apart because one is music and the other is the podcast. I would argue that listen, reading a book while listening to a podcast, that's not going to work. That's going to be switch tasking no matter who you are. But music is an interesting one. And it's usually brought up, like I'll speak to you know thousands of people at a, at a corporate event and I'll say, what's an example of backtasking, effective backtasking? And there's always someone who says, listening to music while working. And I say, okay, great. By raise of hands, how many of you can say that listening to music while working is productive? And half of the people in the audience raise their hand. Wow. And I say, okay, lower your hands. How many of you say that listening to music makes you less productive? And half of the audience raises their hand. Wow. And I say, this is a perfect illustration of the principle. For those of you who said it made you more productive, it's backtasking. You're not paying attention to it. For those of you who said it makes you less productive, it's switch tasking. And I tell everyone, I'm in that category. Remember, because I tried to be a rock star. So I don't hear music. I hear chord progression. I hear sound production. I, you know, yeah. all those things. I can't listen to any music, even if it doesn't have lyrics. I prefer white noise. White noise actually is quite effective. You know, when I started studying for my LSAT, I started listening to white noise just because of uh, I'm with my whole family in Florida right now and no one is really leaving or doing things so I can't have the background noise. So I started listening to that and at first I thought people were insane for actually doing that, which turns out to be I am 100% wrong because it is very productive. It blocks out all that background noise. Yeah, that's a very effective technique when you're working from home. I've worked with many of executives who just implementing a fan in their office radically increases their productivity because they're not hearing all the random noises. 
outside. That is so nuts. Well, and we'll definitely get into working from home a little bit later, but I want to continue down this path of multitasking. So if someone like myself, well, I'll, I'll continue to use myself as an example. If I'm saying, okay, Dave, you know, I really want to break this habit, which is, this is true. I do want to break the habit of multitasking. You know, I want to do one thing at a time, but it is so easy for me to slip into this mode of switch tasking. It's so easy for me to switch into this, you know, area in my mind where I'm like, okay, I'll be able to get these two things done. What pointers do you have for people or myself that can help me eliminate this switch tasking, multitasking habit that's embedded into me? Sure. Well, I, one term that I like to use is switch busters. You know, the old TV show Mythbusters, yep, right? Of course. Well, I think we can bust switches. And what I mean by that is we're not going to completely get rid of all of them. That's not reasonable or practical, but we can implement strategies to dramatically reduce them. And if we can do that, we can reclaim about one work week's worth of time every month, about 40 hours every month. So one of the wow. first places I look Another whole work week. That's insane. Yeah. In fact, when I give speeches, I say, imagine that you had 40 hours per month. What would you do with the time? And people say they spend more time with family, they study, they create a business, they sleep, whatever it is. And I say, great. My presentation is not about time management. It's about that, what yeah. you said. And so how we do that is I look at first the difference between passive switches and active switches. Passive meaning it's being done to you and active meaning you're doing it. And it's usually easier to address the passive switches first because then I don't have to deal so much with psychology and what's going on in your head. I can just deal with tactics. So for example, you know, the simplest, easiest thing that surprisingly not enough people do is just turning off the notifications on your phone. Turn off everything that isn't absolutely essential. You do not need to get notified every single time an email comes in. You probably don't even need to get notified every time a text message comes in. You certainly don't need to get notified when you've got more lives available on Candy Crush. <laughs> yeah, all that's of that funny. stuff that's beeping at you, and even if it just pops up in the corner of your computer screen, even if it just vibrates, that's a switch. Wow. So we want to turn it all off and then... Already, we've gained a considerable amount of time simply by cutting down one type of passive switch. You know, that is something very, very interesting to me that I haven't thought about. So I'm a little bit of a different scenario because of my OCD. I turn off, you know, for years, ever since I had an iPhone, I've turned off my notifications for anything that's not text messages because, or emails just for work reasons, but text messages and emails are the only notifications I have on just because of OCD. But I never thought of that the, all these notifications are essentially distracting us and causing us to switch tasks because like, for example, if I'm writing an email to, let's say someone from your team or just just someone in general and a notification pops up in the top right hand corner of my computer, I'm absolutely going to stop writing that email when I was mid thought and look at that and say, oh, is that essential? Do I need to read that? No. And then I'll continue back when in reality, I probably didn't even need to look at if it was essential because by the time I thought about that, I could probably be near done using Dave's simple email strategy that he just came out with. You should look into that, but I should, I should probably be done writing that email by then. Oh, yeah, you would definitely get done faster. You know, it's, uh, there's an app called Rescue Time, and it helps people focus. And they did a study of uh, 185 million hours of working time. And what they found is that the average worker checks their messages or email every six minutes. 
That means 10 times every hour you're getting distracted. You pay switching costs. And that switching cost is going to cost you two to three minutes by itself. So that means we just lost a half an hour out of every hour just for that one thing. And so, you know, one other approach to that is to say, okay, ask yourself, in the career that I'm in, in the place that I'm in with my life, how long can I reasonably wait until I respond to an email? And most people would agree that they could probably wait at least one hour. And so I say, great, if you can just do that, check your messages every hour on the hour, we just cut the number of interruptions in your day by 90%. <laughs> the interruptions for those emails. And that makes sense 100%. I can't tell you how much time I spend wasting on things that are non-essential. It can wait till later. But since they popped up on my phone, I, I do it right then and there while I'm in the middle of doing something else. And then I'll go back to that something else. And then I have to get back into that train of thought saying, what was I, where was I even going with this one task? That's, I mean, you never, you don't really think about these things in all honesty. You just don't because especially again a perspective from a college student you're just have so you're usually piled with so much work you're just trying to get done everything while you can and you know do things in between to enjoy life a little bit but you're right if we would spend more time not scrolling through instagram not scrolling through facebook not checking snapchat and the time where we were supposed to be just reading a book writing a paper doing a project, you'd probably have more time to scroll on your phone, which I don't know if that's any better, but you would at least have more freedom to do other things. I'd hope that all my listeners as the leaders that they are would utilize that extra free time doing something a little bit more productive, but hey, everyone can do what they want. But you know, that's- I don't have a problem with you spending or anyone spending that time doing fun. In fact, I have a book called The Power of Having Fun. I think that those breaks are important. In fact, they do make us more productive we just need to do them on a schedule. Yeah. You know, I've talked publicly about this. I love playing video games. That's like, I, you know, I got the Xbox Series X. I like doing that. Yeah. And that's part of my success system is having a structured, scheduled time when I give myself permission to relax, power down, and just, you know, veg out for a little bit. Yeah. Because focus is a muscle. You can't, just like lifting weights, you cannot push that muscle constantly. You need gaps. You need rest. But it's focus and then rest and focus and then rest, not do a little bit of work and then jump in and out of crap all day long. Yeah, no, that's true. So I know and I know you said you're not speaking about time management, but I've seen so many different studies or actually I I don't even know if I can go as far to say that they were studies, but I've seen so many different things throughout my life of like you should do work for an hour and then take a five minute break or do work for 30 minutes, take a 10 minute break. So what do you have to say to, you know, how much time should you be spending working to breaking? What should that ratio be? Or do you not attest to that? Yeah, no, I like the science behind it. And the science uh, is based on uh, Nathaniel Kleitman's work. Now, I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, I do not. But you've probably, okay, so you've probably heard though the circadian rhythm. Yep. Right? Yep, yep. We've all heard of that. That's the sleep rest cycle in our life. Well, Kleitman also discovered the ultradian rhythm. And ultradian means within the day. And within the day, the average person has a cycle of about 90 minutes to 120 minutes. And this cycle is, it's crazy. It like regulates everything from like your ability to focus to your nostril dilation, okay? And what it shows is that each person, you gotta find your own rhythm, but I'd start with 90 minutes. And at about 90 minutes, you're gonna start to drop way off in terms of your productivity. So you stop, you take a break for 10 minutes to 20 minutes, 
and then you come back refreshed and then you do another one of those cycles. And, and I have found just through trial and error and working with clients that we can find that sweet spot for them and then they schedule those breaks, you know, in the neighborhood of that 90 to 100 minute period. And that really, really boosts their productivity and it improves the quality of their life. And how much or how long should those breaks be? It depends on the person. You know, I like 10 to 20 minutes as a good break. You know, some people can do more, do it with less. And I also advocate the experiment of you. It's easy when you hear these studies and statistics to say, well, that's the answer. But keep in mind, statistics are based on averages. So the real question is, you know, if I'm working with you, Maverick, I'd say, let's try this for a week. Let's try you doing it at 90 minutes with a 10-minute break. And then let's just assess how productive have you been. And then after a couple of weeks, maybe we tweak it. Maybe we say, well, let's go to 95 minutes and a 15-minute break and then test that out for a couple of weeks. And then we'll start to find your groove. Dave, I don't know if you're busy on Mondays or Wednesdays, but I'm going to have to bring you to my class <laughs> on Zoom so you can tell my professor that we can't go over 90 minutes. And if we do, we're going to need some sort of break for 10 to 20 minutes, just so it's not coming from me. It's coming from a professional, an expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you to bring that up. But honestly, I see that problem with a lot of events. They'll schedule these events, these conferences that go all day long, and it's just back-to-back-to-back-to-back speakers. That is not the optimal way for people to learn. You've got to give gaps in between where people can refresh themselves. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, we Back before the pre-COVID days, we used to do a lot of trade shows um, for the tax business, and there's just, you know, there's always something going on, and there's no breaks at all. It's like, when can I rush in to even eat? So I absolutely agree with that for sure. Switching topics a little bit here. So, you know, when you have more time in your life due to getting rid of the switch tasking, getting rid of those things, I, I just want to touch on what you said about having fun. So would you say like you can utilize that time however you want to, or should you still be doing something relatively productive or that's up to the individual? What's your ideology on that? Yeah, well, I think, I, you know, I kind of tip my hand when I say that I'm playing video games. You know what camp I'm going to be in. I'm a big believer that there's, an, there's, you have to give yourself permission to do whatever it is that's refreshing to you that is not destructive. Okay, okay? got it. So obviously, you don't want to do things that deal with addiction and that kind of stuff. That's going to tear you down. But you want to have harmless fun that are things that you want to do. Not what someone else thinks you should do, but what you personally find enjoyable. You know, I work with a, a woman who, my gosh, she's changing the world with the stuff that she's doing in terms of, you know, reforming some amazing things. And one of the things that she likes to do is quilting. And she'll just spend some time doing quilting and that allows her to kind of zone out and refresh herself so that she can come back later and have these great deep thoughts that make a difference in the world. I've seen people ride bikes. I've seen people go for a walk. I've seen people, you know, cross stitch, whatever it is. No, I just wanted you to, you, you brought up a great point, which was not being destructive. And I just wanted the listeners to understand sort of what you meant by, you know, utilizing your free time and not doing something destructive because I don't want things, people to say like, oh, I put in all this hard work. I can reward myself by doing X, Y, or Z, whatever those things are. Just don't let them be destructive, please, everyone at home. I know times are very tough right now. Everyone is cooped up inside. But like Dave said, you know, 
play video games, go on a walk, scroll on your phone, do whatever you want to do, as long as it's not destructive to your physical, your mental health, anything like that, please. And know that we're always here if you ever need to talk. You can DM on Instagram, email the podcast, however you want to do it, but there is always someone that is here to talk. If that's what your break time that you choose to do is too, if you want to just talk, I can be that person for you. So before we totally switch topics off multitasking, switch tasking, is there anything you want to add that we did not touch on that you think is essential that the listeners know about? Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned that there were three immediate effects uh, of switch tasking, time, quality, and stress, right? Yeah. But there's a fourth effect the moment uh, another person is involved. And that means if you're talking to someone and you switch task on them, you are communicating to them that they're not important. Wow. And that damages the quality of relationships. In fact, there have been studies that show that just the presence of the cell phone on the table, just sitting there, uh, erodes trust between individuals when they're having conversations. So you want to get in the habit of giving people 100% of of your attention. You wouldn't dream of like seeing your friend and say, hey man, you're unimportant. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, right? that's true. No, that's no true. one would say that, but that that's pretty much exactly what we say when we're looking at our phone at the same time we're having a conversation with them. The beautiful thing is because this is becoming normal behavior to switch task on people or, or FUB, if you can put that phone aside and give them 100% of your attention, you build the relationship. They feel validated because, wow, here's one person in the world who isn't heads down when I'm talking to them. Yeah, no, it's ab- that is absolutely something true. I try always at dinner time to put my phone away. So does my whole family and not just on the table away away. And it definitely makes a big difference because I think it's human nature nowadays to just if it's sitting on the table, like, oh, I'm just going to check real quick if I have any notifications, you know, I'm just going to do this if I'm not involved in that conversation. And but putting that phone away out of a reachable space makes you be interactive. And it's, you know, it's really even though I'm young and I'm part of the technology age, it is really crazy to me that you have to force this, you know, human to human face to face looking in your eyes interaction um, just by putting something away that we all see and understand as a distraction even if you don't realize that it's the distraction that's maybe causing you know you to not be as involved in your family life your relationship your work life your peers whatever it may be you know just putting that technology away helps so much and i can firsthand say that i you know i wasn't part of any study but i'll firsthand tell you that the experience that I've gained from putting my phone away just at dinner time, and I should probably do it more often, is something that has been incredible. So you're you hit it spot on there, Dave, for sure. Yeah, whenever someone talks to you, just learn to set that phone down, put it aside, give them your attention. You can go back to it later, and you'll get things done faster anyway. Yeah, unless it's someone you may not want to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's a whole different thing, but, but yeah. Unless, you know, now Dave's giving you the way out of the conversation now, but we don't recommend to take that route unless you really need to. <laughs> so now let's switch topics here a little bit and talk about working from home. Um, obviously, you're an expert in working from home, and over the last year, the majority of the world, whether you were in school, you had a part-time job, a full-time job, or both, you are now 
doing everything from home, which personally I really struggle with because I cannot keep my focus on a single task while I'm at home. In fact, um, when I was in Michigan, I was going into my office every day because I didn't want to do work in the place where I associate with sleeping and relaxing in my bedroom and going on Zoom and having my bed on the background. But some people aren't as fortunate enough to have that opportunity to you know, leave the house to go to a safe space where you are social distancing from one another. So Dave, I'll sort of just give you the floor here to talk about working from home and what you think is helpful because while I do have some tips and questions that I might throw in from my personal experience, I'll sort of let you take lead here and take charge here because this is something that is so important and I don't think my questions can articulate what exactly your message would be. So I will let you have the spotlight here, Dave. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, if you don't mind, first, I'm going to say that what I'm going to share with you is based on that course that I mentioned from LinkedIn Learning. Uh, That was the number one course of 2020. Uh, You can reach that if you go to davecrenshaw.com forward slash home. That's a a quick way to get to the LinkedIn Learning course. And real quick, Uh, real quick, sorry to interrupt. What is the LinkedIn Learning course? Um, Totally, you know, give it, give it to all the LinkedIn Learning. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Netflix of learning. That's how I I refer to it. And I've been with them since the beginning, almost. Uh, 2011, uh, my first course came out, Time Management Fundamentals. And that was back when they were lynda.com. And then they later got bought by LinkedIn. Um, But LinkedIn Learning, they've got, gosh, I don't know, close to 20,000 courses these days. And you pay a a flat fee, or if you have a premium LinkedIn membership, like if you have a sales membership or job hunter, it's included with it. And it's all you can eat. You go there and you can learn all sorts of wonderful skills from strategic thinking to, you know, whatever it is. And uh, I've got about 35 courses on there. That's awesome. So I highly recommend it. I'll have to definitely check that out. Yeah, it's a great way too. like if you have employees or people on your team to get them really, you know, easy training for like 30 bucks a month. But so anyway, the basic premise is boundaries are your friend. Sometimes we think of boundaries as being restrictive, as getting in the way of us doing what we want most, but they're actually they're more like the rules of the road, right? The, the speed limits, the traffic lights, all that kind of stuff is there to help us get to our destination faster. Think of what it would be like if those didn't exist. It's the same thing with working from home. You want to establish boundaries. You want to establish boundaries in terms of your time. You know, what schedule are you going to work? When do you stop work? When you start it? You want to establish boundaries in terms of your physical space. And look, you know, you mentioned... You know, you didn't want to work from home where your bed was. I've been working from home for, for close to 20 years now. And I started out with my bed in the same place as my office. Now, right now we're on video. I've got this beautiful, completely remodeled office. But it took many, many years of lots of small changes to get my office to that place of peak productivity. Did you always enjoy working from home? You know, I have. And, you know, I even had the opportunity once to set up an office in another person's place. It was this company that I'd done consulting for them. And I was like, I'll try that out working in an office. It lasted one day. (laughs) (laughs) I moved everything out of my office. I moved it all in. I spent one day there and I said, this is horrible. Why am I doing this? Why did I just trade a 10 second commute for a 45 minute commute? It made no sense. That's hilarious. Yeah. My brother-in-law, he has worked from home now for, I think, like 
five or six years, maybe less or more than that. But he loves it. Like we were talking a few weeks back. He's like, I'll never go into another office ever. I'm going to have to find a job if I ever need to, or it's going to be working from home. So just a quick side story. Everyone I know that works from home pretty much says that they love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, funny story. I've got a really good friend, uh, David G. Winford. He's a business coach, uh, and in fact, mine. And he said every year he puts. On, he lives in the Bay Area in San Francisco. Every year he puts on a suit. He takes Bart. He takes the public transportation. He goes. He goes downtown and just pretends like what it would be like to if he had <laughs> in one of the offices. And it just reminds him of why he's doing what he's doing. I think that's fantastic. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah. But part of the reason why working from home works for me is also because of the boundaries that I've set with my family. Now, I've got three kids uh, and they've grown up with me working in a home office. So, I, you know, I've dealt with toddlers and two-year-olds and three-year-olds and, you know, all different ages. And what I've learned is that if you set boundaries with them both directions, it'll work. Meaning if they know that you're going to be working until five, for instance, But then at five, you're going to not look at work and you're going to set aside your email and you're going to give them your attention. They respect the boundary because they know that you're also going to respect their time. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So did you set that from a very young age from when they could understand like dad's going to be working till five after five? That's our time. Did you set that from a very young age? Yeah. And Saturdays and Sundays uh, are no fly zones for me. Yeah, that's always been a part of my career because you know, I made a decision a long time ago that of all the successes that I could have, to me, the success with my family was most important. I absolutely love that. It's so important that you know you have a stable family life at home and you are that role model and that leader for your children. It is, it is everything. Yeah, and, and it's, I think anyone listening to this, even if that's not their goal, you can say, well, what matters, what really matters in my life You want to establish boundaries in your workday. Have a clear finish line to your day. Say, this is when I'm going to stop work. No matter what, I'm going to commit to this time. And people are, are afraid of that when they first hear it, but it actually promotes productivity because what it does is it forces you to look for the inefficiencies in your day. If I have to get it done by five, as an example, but I feel like I'm not getting it done, then I have to ask myself what needs to change. And there's always something that can change and get better. Yeah, 100%. So what would you say to someone that says, I'm working from home, you know, I don't have any kids that are my distractions, but I have just things that are my distraction, right? Like my TV's in front of me, I'm doing work from my couch where I'm looking at my TV or I'm doing work from a space. Like you said, when you started, you were in your bedroom where you slept and associated that with relaxing. So what would you say to someone who's saying, Dave, what the heck can I do to keep myself focused at home because I don't have this opportunity to have a separate space in my house or my condo or my apartment where it is dedicated for working and I can feel that mental you know, place in my life that I am going to continue you know, working and being productive. What would you say to someone that doesn't have that opportunity? You can put some painter's tape on the floor and draw a line around your workspace. And you can tell yourself, when I step across this line, I'm working. And when I step on the other side of it, I'm not working anymore. And that physical boundary helps with the mental boundary that you need to create. 
uh, what really matters most is that you commit to that boundary. That makes sense to me for sure. You know, I, like I said, at the beginning of the pandemic, when I was at home in my room, I would literally have my camera on Zoom, whether it was for work or whether it was for class, and I would see my bed in my background and I would just think to myself, you know, like, okay, I'm in this space, but I'm still in my bedroom. And it just wasn't enough for me. And I had to move around a little bit. But I absolutely think that if you're telling yourself, I can't, there's always a way that you can make it work. It might not be your ideal scenario, but there's always a way you can make it work and keep up your productivity levels and to make sure you're getting all your work done that needs to get done, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, Dave, working from home is something that has been a huge interruption in people's lives. But what would you say, do you think working from home has increased or decreased productivity as a whole? Well, (laughs) I think the better question is, can it increase productivity as a whole? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, just for one thing, one thing is just the commute is one of the most unproductive uses of everyone's time because there's, it's, essentially zero value time. Except for, of course, listening to a podcast like this, you can learn from that. But honestly, that alone would increase productivity overall. But the problem is, is that many people, uh, especially if they haven't sought out a resource like going through my course, they haven't still created the boundaries. It's a year in and they haven't really learned how to adapt to it. And part of it is because just the way it happened right? Yeah. Previously, if someone wanted to work from home, they had months to prepare. They could set things up. And this, it was like, everybody, (laughs) you're working from home now. In two seconds, it was like, literally, I remember I went to class one day. I got an email. I was like, okay. I was on my way to class. It said, class, if you have class starting at 12 noon, there was no class because of COVID, but my class was at 1020. I was on my way. So I was like, do I turn around? Do I go? What do I do? I ended up going and I walked in and literally everyone was just looking around like, what do we do? You know? And the professor goes, well, this is probably the most peculiar situation I've been in since being a professor here. I'm just going to say that you all go home because we probably can't focus. And then the next class that we had was literally an online class. And I know that was a big topic of discussion and we're sort of getting off track a little bit here, but I think it's very important to say this. So I'll take the extra time to say it. I think a lot of times there was this huge idea going on that being a student in online school was very difficult, you know, levels of education were going down, which I do agree with. I really do agree with that. Even if you take yourself and put yourself in a space where there are no distractions in your learning, I think that face-to-face for education, I'm not saying in the workplace, education specifically, it diminishes the value of uh, the level of education that you're going to receive. But we have to give props to all the professors and educators out there that did make this transition in such a short period of time. I talked with a lot of my professors and I think they didn't get enough spotlight that was deserved to them in terms of giving them props of some professors that have been working 15, 20, 25 years at a university setting where they are the expert in these courses and then they have to go and teach a course online. It is a very difficult task to achieve an accurate way of actually learning when you have never done this before. So I just want to stop and say that if, because a lot of my listeners, they are in school. And if you are in school and you're thinking like, holy crap, this is so hard for me. This is BS. This is whatever it is. 
Think about that from the teacher's perspective. Think about if you've never done something, but you're actually the one having, being responsible to teach these children what needs to be taught. And we just have to give some props uh, to them as well and give some credit to them. So I just wanted to stop and say that. So I'm sorry for interrupting you, Dave, but I think it was a necessity because I don't hear a lot of people my age are more so just complaining. They're not thankful for the educators that are out there that are actually doing this and making this transition and literally an overnight setting like you talked about. Yeah, I think an awareness of everyone too. The awareness that for everyone, this is a little bit weird and it's difficult and it may never go back to the way that it was before completely. Yeah, I agree um, with that. You know, speaking, if I, if I think of your audience, one thing that I'd recommend, because I know you come from the standpoint of what they don't teach you in school. Here's what I would say that isn't taught in school. This is your responsibility. Sometimes we get used to the idea of this corporate world where they're going to solve this for us. They're going to give us the resources. They need to give us the money. But the entrepreneurial mindset says, it's my responsibility to become as productive as I can be. And if that means investing some of my own money, I need to do it. A 2% increase in productivity equals an entire work week every year. Wow. That means if you, the keyboard that you're using is broken, upgrade it. If you're looking at this little tiny monitor that's hurting your eyes, upgrade it. Do whatever you can. Sometimes it isn't even a matter of spending money. It's just it's just repositioning your desk. That little, little change is 40 hours every year. And I've built my whole career in terms of just adding 2% upon 2% improvement. And it literally has probably given me in the neighborhood of years worth of productivity over the last you know 15 or so of my career. That's amazing. So the, what I'm going to take away from that is that it doesn't need to be a drastic change at first to give you so much time. It needs to be little changes every so often, more often than not, that can increase your level of productivity as a whole. So it's not a change that I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to stop doing X, Y, and Z because I know that I'm doing that. Instead, making little changes that all add up in the end. That's what I'm going to take away from that. But if you're able to make a large change that you know is going to increase your productivity, absolutely do it if it's not unrealistic. But I think for the majority of people, it's making those small little changes that all add up. Would you agree with that? Is that where you, you were sort of getting at? Yeah. I, it, one way to think about it is it's the compound interest of time. Love when that. you make an improvement on an improvement, it starts to build and grow. And that's what's enabled me to write five books and create 35 courses. Heck, I even created a YA novel under a pen name. I've been able to do all these things plus play on my Xbox because I've been so diligent about improving all of my productivity tools. Yeah, that is, that, that's truly amazing. Well, Dave, as we wind down to the last bits of the interview, I have a few last questions I want to ask you here. The first one is, Dave, how can someone contact you if they want to? Would that be going to your website? Yeah, uh, my website, DaveCrenshaw.com. That's C-R-E-N-S-H-A-W.com. Uh, also, I'm extremely active on LinkedIn, as you might imagine. That's probably where uh, most of my followers are. So that's a great place to connect with me too. Awesome. Yeah. So he's obviously, you know, if you're listening to this and maybe you're faculty at Michigan State University, 
Have Dave do a virtual speaking event. If you own your own company, have Dave do a virtual speaking event as there as well. So he's got all these opportunities. And what I love about you, Dave, and I love about your whole idea is you see a lot of people online, they're trying to sell you a program or sell you something that it, they're saying is going to make you money. And that's what I love about you. You're not selling something that's, you're not saying, oh, you're going to make more money by doing this. You're selling something that's actually going to increase productivity, which in essence can make you more money if that's what you choose to do with that extra time but that's truly what i love about you i just wanted to say that you know a lot of people that sell things or i guess programs or coaching online it's they always say oh i'm going to make you more money it's going to be an extra stream of revenue of income whatever it may be and you're sort of doing the opposite you're giving them the ability to create more time and then they do what they want with their time so kudos to you for that one Oh, thank you. This has been an unreal interview, and I want to end it with this question. This is a question I ask all my guests, Dave. What do you wish you knew when you were in your early 20s? Well, I kind of hinted at it. I wish I knew what I was dealing with on a psychological standpoint. You know, when I first started, I didn't understand because there wasn't that much available in terms of mental health. There are those resources now. So I would encourage anyone to listening to this to, you know, go seek out the help of a therapist, a counselor, and just, you know, kind of get an audit. And if everything's okay, everything's okay. But having that knowledge doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong because now you can improve because of what you know about yourself. That's awesome advice. I had a huge mental health advocate on the show um, a few weeks back. He has a company called Cope Notes where he sends out daily positive messages that in essence turn into a journal if you choose to respond to them. It's all confidential, obviously. And mental health is something I'm huge on and make sure that you're staying on top of it, especially in today's world. And that's why I am starting to ask the question, making sure that my guest is okay and asking them how they are because we gotta be friends with each other right now and be supportive of one another. It's that is essential right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on it. Well, Dave, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I myself have gained so much knowledge and will absolutely be implementing what we talked about into my life. I'm hopefully going to start that right after we end this recording because I need to make changes that are going to give me more time so I am not always yelled at for running late to everything in my life. It is something that I try and fix <laughs> a day after day, but I'm going to get there. It's a work in progress for sure. So thank you again, Dave. Stay safe and stay healthy. And like I said before we started recording, let's keep in touch and see what we can do together. Sounds great. Thank you, Maverick. I know the guests I have on this show are really spread out and are all over the place with what they do, but today's interview was something that is really beneficial to everyone, no matter who you are, what you want to do in your life, what your hobbies are, because it really applies to everyone. You always want to have more time in your life. You never want to feel like you don't have enough time to get things done. And so utilize and absorb the information that Dave gave everyone so that you can have more time in your life. You can be more productive. You can be more efficient in what you do. Dave is an expert in this field and he knows what the hell he is talking about. Being at home during this time myself, I know how easy it is to lose focus, to multitask, we'll use his terminology, to switch tasks and become unproductive. But you have to step up and not let that happen. Multitasking might seem to be a good use of time, but you just learned it's not. So stop doing it. Be a leader, show others why they should not do it either. Lead them by example, by showing that. 
Remember, being a leader means leading by example while helping others along the way. Please remember that. I appreciate you all for the support that you give the show. It is truly tremendous. I know I say it every single episode, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. The next few episodes are going to be super cool. So please be sure to tell a friend, a coworker, a random person walking on the side of the road, and of course your family to subscribe, review, listen to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to another episode of your favorite podcast, the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success. Talk to everyone next Wednesday. <laughs>